Here's to you, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance, where you'll find your favorite conversations around Metal Gear and Kojima-related content delivered to you to tactical podcast action. I'm your host, Warren Minix, and with me, as always, is Bravo team leader, Chris Hampton. How are we doing? I'm here. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Let's make it a trio. Delta team leader, Tori Cortez. What's up? Uh, I just, uh, I had a really rough truck ride over here, so <laughs> just going to have to, <laughs> just going to have to uh, do my best, I guess. A truck, you say? Which, I've never yeah. seen a truck in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's like a big cargo truck. It was it was a really bumpy ride, but I, a, I think I'll be okay. What, do, what does a truck sound like? I've, uh, I don't know what a truck would sound like. Uh, note note to the editor: This would be yeah, a really good time to insert an audio clip. Thank you for that tee up, Chris. That's just going to be, that's all that's for. We're going to do that like 10 times an episode, I feel like now. Yeah. So this is cool because this is Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance Portable Ops Edition. Season two. So we have, yeah, season two. So we have moved on. You know, I thought we would burn this shit to the ground last season (laughs) and we didn't. We're here in spite of ourselves. We're here. I thought I would have murdered my mentor in cold blood in the middle of a, a white flower bed yeah. while her horse lay alone and I jump on a plane. Yeah, I murdered Alessio away. and made two clones of him and now they are hosting the show. Oh, wow. <laughs> this went in all sorts of directions. So are, are, which one's the ka and which one's the ha? Damn it. We always I get it back to away. Death Stranding. You gotta Son wait. You gotta wait for <laughs> till season three for that one, buddy. I'm Ooh. not gonna oh, show shit. you my cards just yet. Oh man. Oh boy, we're we are ripe. We are ripe for season two, guys. <laughs> it's obvious we haven't we haven't recorded a season ep in some time. Yeah, it's nice to be back <sighs> at the mic with you fellas. Yeah, it was good yeah. to be on vacation though, I gotta say. So mm. it's nice to be back, but I'm glad that I was away. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of recoup. There's nothing wrong with a little recoup. You know what? uh, I'm glad you were too. (laughs) I need more Chris in my life. (laughs) No, because you know you need you needed. uh, What is it? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. So right. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I like that. I like that. Um, I guess yeah. We can we can kind of just do what we want for now because we're you know baby stepping it into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Tori, will let's do our random patron shout out. Yes, let's. Just so we can get that rolling. All right, patrons, are you ready? Are you all on the edge of your seats? This week, I know I am. Good. Oh man, me too. Because I get to announce that this week's patron of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Is none other than CJ Garcia. Hey. I've seen CJ in the Discord. I can see him in my mind's eye with his Ape Escape Discord profile icon. Hey. Oh, yeah. He doesn't chime in a ton. Like, 
as there's some real gun ones out there, but when CJ drops in, it's very you know, noticeable. The the Discord's been like just unruly lately. We've got a pair of foot down about it. I think. You th- uh I feel like I'm adding to it. So I don't know if I'm gonna put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course I am. I've been chiming in all over the place, man. I really have been, though. Between the movie club, the game club, because I keep throwing shade at the game club, because yeah. it's Star Wars oh Bounty Hunter. God, the... I hate that game so much. <laughs> I hate it. Save it for the Discord talk, Chris. By the time this releases, we would have had our chat about Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you right now, with the the weeks I've had of Bounty Hunter... yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'll tell I'll tell you the only take that you need for that game. Okay? That game came out on the PlayStation 2. What year did it come out? I think 2002. Okay. So, 2002. Nah, that's not right. Because it would have been after 2005. I'm, I'm fact-checking you right now, Warren. Oh, please do. Oh, you're I'm not, right. It is 2002. Holy oh, shit. No. How old am I? Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, CJ, you. thank you so much for your yeah, thanks, patronage. <laughs> okay. All right. Patron of the week of the week club. So, 2002. <laughs> This game, this piece of shit game comes out. And then... Jesus, hot takes from Chris. And then in 2000... Throwing them over here. Like, I, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. Because, like, the only cool thing about it was the jetpack in the game. Everything else sure. was, like, tank controls and, like, really bad and choppy. And, yeah, I just remember, like, the first level having to, like, fly through all these, like, pipes and shit. And, ugh. It was it was worse than that N sixty four game Shadows of Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, that game with was Dash Rendar. Yeah, that game had really bad controls too. Uh, oh, it did. Not three years later, Battle Battlefront two comes out and has that Moss Eisley Cantina mode where you play as the heroes, pick Django or Boba, and you got better controls immediately. I don't know how. They, they had like a side mode of a game that had better gameplay than a whole Star Wars property game. So, like, <laughs> fuck that bounty hunter game. <laughs> Chris is ripe. And you'll today, hear more and like that when you give us money and join the Discord to hear about the game of the month. Pay us yeah, money to hear an old man <laughs> rant about some shit. <laughs> It's fantastic. Yeah, for a dollar a month, y'all, you can hop into the Discord and chime in with all the stuff we're talking about. And we are doing... So, yeah, we are months into the, the game club. We're doing movie club. And we will be releasing episodes for the movie club if you are a patron. I think I'm ready to do some story discussion and some analysis from Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel ready. Ah. Uh, Feel pretty ready. I feel ready too. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. I think we 
I get the feeling there's going to be a lot of baggage that will probably get out of the way in this episode. So we're obviously going to continue talking about sort of evolution in the gameplay, just like we did in Metal Gear Solid 3. But there's this is a very jarring change. This is like the first Metal Gear game that actually, I don't want to say regressed, but it regressed because of the hardware. It was on a mm-hmm. portable system. So we've literally improved sometimes to arguably the maximum potential of a system, like in like a Metal Gear Solid 2 and maybe in some people's opinions, Metal Gear Solid 1, uh, to then we go from 3, arguably people's favorite, to this game. Mm-hmm. So expectations are a little probably unrealistic. So I feel like we're going to shake off some of that as we keep going through our episodes, but I definitely have some some stuff to say. Yeah. So I'm taking issue with your term regress, Warren, because... Okay, I think from a hardware perspective, the PS2 and the PSP, it's not really arguable like which was better, you know, as as far yeah. as like output. But the whole way you would make a game for a portable system, the philosophy at the time was very different. Like the approach was it has to be bite-sized, it needs to be small, it needs to be a pocket-sized game. You right. know, not something like, like you sit and commit to or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think now we probably feel differently because the switch has changed things. But this is like the challenge of how do you distill the experience of Metal Gear into something that you can play in like a, a minute by minute burst of time? Sure. And I, yeah, that's why Regress had mm-hmm. air quotes in it, because I didn't really know a better way to say it, but it did, certainly didn't grow the gameplay, which yeah. is like the bread and butter of Metal Gear Solid, yeah. especially since they were like almost simultaneously working on Metal Gear Solid 4. So I could see how people were a little, you know, but it got great reviews. Mm-hmm. I can't really knock it for that. People understood what it was for the time. And it was what, for 2007? Uh, I had to like remember where I was at that point because I, by the time this came out, I was out of college. Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, I do not remember that." Like, I really, I like have distinct memories of playing this in college, and that is not correct. This so. this game came out my freshman, my first semester of college, and I was home uh, on on Christmas break. I borrowed a friend's PSP to play this game, and I played like five minutes of it and never touched it again oh no that that much all right well we'll we'll see if that changes that lines up with where you started i think this time around my opinion of it was very poor like i had a lot of negative things to say about it in 2007 now i have a different opinion on it not not so different like I, I kind of pity it in a way. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like I'm a condescending prick, but like, <laughs> pity this game. <laughs> well, I think I understand what you mean because there is such a connotation that comes with this game. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's easy to fall in line with that connotation. But once I devoted a certain amount of, t- well, let me say this. Once I, reached a certain uh, milestone in the game, I'll say. 
my opinion of it changed rapidly. Uh, I gotta cap this off with, I played the same part of this game, like the first half of this game. Was it three or four times? It was. It was too many times. Yeah, it was at Do, least three that I knew of. Yeah. So. Due it to may some have been more than that. technical difficulties that I'm still not uh, fully in comprehension of. But yeah, so. Your PSP wasn't working well? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was it precisely. Mm. So, I don't know. Another thing I might mention is I. So, I was in high school when this came out. Mm. Would have been either my freshman or sophomore year. And I feel old at, as shit right now. Yeah, there you make go. Make sure everybody's comfortable I with just that. wanted, I needed <laughs> to uh, bring that element into this, Warren, just just for fun. Oh, yeah. I'm literally dying my hair as we talk about this. <laughs> but yeah, at the time, I really had no interest in what I deemed uh, side games for the series. This didn't feel like... Oh. Well, you yeah. know... And Side I have game I have been schooled. I I will be the first to admit I have been schooled. But at the time, my perception of the game was it wasn't worth giving time to because it didn't have the same cutscene style. It didn't have the same meat to it. If if that makes any sense to you guys. Um, yeah. But you know, I hadn't played it, so what the fuck did I know? Right. Yeah. Armchair critics. <laughs> Just not even playing it and be like, this game sucks. Oops. I'm not going to buy a PSP. I hated the PSP so much. And now I realized I didn't hate portable ops. I hated the PlayStation Portable. <laughs> gotcha. That's I kind of a hot take now I going back. Still hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hated the control, like the act, like the controls of it. Like yes. just, it didn't feel, it get didn't feel good in my hand when it came to it. Joystick, just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, God. and I mean they obviously improved, you know, since then with the Vita and all that. But the Vita, you're was, right, it just didn't. The Vita should have weird. been the PlayStation Portable. They should have not even just bothered with that trash. It little know, plastic it looked, thing. The too. fact that it could play PS2 games portably though was I think all that mattered it, at the time. It you know? felt like a plastic straw. What's the difference? It. A plastic straw. <laughs> there's no heft to it. There's no weight. It didn't feel like There is no weight though. You're you're definitely right about that. Yeah. Okay, so other than its heftiness, what's the difference between the PSP and the Vita? Two joysticks, a touchpad on the back screen. Mm. Yeah, L and snappier L and R triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, and also it like, actually it felt a lot more like a like a PlayStation, a little bit bigger, but a PlayStation controller in your hands. Yeah, like okay. it wasn't its own thing. Like the the PlayStation Portable really just felt like a, a whole new piece of equipment. Discs. <laughs> they use discs. A portable. Did it really? Used fucking like UMD. Yeah. I had yeah UMD discs. I yeah. used that stuff like since like zip drives in grade school. You know, did you have I an thought, iOmega, an iOmega oh, zip drive? I thought that like that technology died, but no. Apparently, Sony brought it back for a portable system. But yep. the the Vita used uh, SD card or like a proprietary SD card for the right. games, and that is much better. Like, right, and they only discontinued them. What? Well, I got. I can't say last year because yeah. it's officially 2021. They they only got discontinued in 2019. Yeah, the wow. Vitas. So they they stuck around for a while. 
Vita's got a hardcore fan base and it's well deserved and but the the PSP was just like a bad that's why Sony doesn't make handhelds anymore. The yeah, PSP because they they just kept getting beat out. I mean that Nintendo definitely mm-hmm. sort of set the gold standard for that for so many iterations of it. Now they and I gotta say, it. Chris, I want to agree with you slightly when you say the design around a game for a portable system. Um, and we're I'm gonna this is my my like smoothest silk segue in. Ooh. Oh yeah, because we're gonna we're gonna open on this game now. And the big thing that we're already used to is there's a pretty, you know, for a portable system, there's a pretty long opening cutscene. Obviously, a fraction of what we're used to in a, mm-hmm. in a Metal Gear game, but still pretty long. I mean, I, I didn't really like clock the seconds, but it, it felt like it was at least like 20 full minutes of, I mean, really dope, like, anime style, you know, just really cool artwork. And what Ashley Wood is, like, dope. Like they look cool as shit. It's really, it's got legit voice acting. Like a lot of times, and all everybody that's been chiming in asking if we're gonna do portable ops. Clearly, we are. But a lot of people were like, "Dude, it's Metal Gear. It's got David Hayter. It counts." Like mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm like, I gotta agree because it really did feel like a Metal Gear game right off the bat. And that's why I had to use like that audio for the teaser because it just was perfect and it didn't spoil anything. Um, but to set that up, there's a lot of like reading in this and a lot of like a lot of text to exposit what the hell's going on and doubling of it because they know you're probably not paying attention every time so they tell you like the important stuff a lot like and it's all read to you like not you you have to read it uh so i kind of want to hold that against it but i get it's a portable system so i'm gonna well not only that that behind but now i found myself annoyed with the repetition of information as well but Again, with the portable system, I think they're assuming that you're only logging a mission or two at a time. So it could be days, weeks, maybe, between your missions. And you find out about your next objective at the end of a previous mission. I know I would forget between then and the next time I turned it on, even if it was only 24 hours later. Ah, come on. Pay the guy that did Campbell's voice. Have him debrief you. If you're going to make that choice, like That's I, people fair. bitch about Navi in Link in Link uh, in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, they bitch about Navi. I'm like, this is Navi on steroids like every <laughs> and it's reading. It's not even audibly told. I to know. you. Like, uh, the voice Either actor way, for whatever. Campbell was was quite talented at uh, at capturing a younger Paul. Oh, yeah. I that's something I still love about that, too. Iding, that's correct. Oh, thank God. I believe it is Iding. Yes, I think we, I, we've we learned this in the Peter Larry interview. <laughs> uh, we know all about the proper pronunciations of people. Um, so, yeah, so we got this long cutscene. And again, we say cutscene, but it's very, we're going to establish that when they do audible cutscenes, I'll say, because obviously they have some stuff going on. But when they do, it's like really dope. Like, it's not, you know, the normal style of Metal Gear artwork. It's not, you know, the, the stuff you're used to seeing, but it's still striking and very talented and it really does sort of set the mood for what we're doing in the 70s and we meet cunningham who is uh he works he used to work for the cia he was the like the interrogation specialist specialist um and he is like instantly like the game opens on snake being thrown in jail so like okay (laughs) like he was supposed to be this dope soldier and he's already in prison um but we learn that he works for Fox, quote unquote, like it's a Fox mission. 
And they're sort of just setting up that he wants to know what's going on with the Philosopher's Legacy from Metal Gear Solid 3. And they say that it's been six years, so we know we're definitely in the 70s since then. So they start to, like, bring that up and sort of talk about it. And I, I don't mind it. I think it's pretty pretty good captivating sort of sequence. Um, and like I said, it's great to hear Hater's voice again. Um and just like, I, again, I, I like the voice actors, like even Cunningham was mm -hmm. pretty solid. Um, and then, of course, we, you know, we learn that Fox is doing some shady shit, potentially on, uh, I guess we'll get to it later. We're in South America is all we know, like because Snake's really good at that, uh, to know like where we are based on like random sounds or smells of things. But we basically get out of the cutscene and we are in prison. Um. I got to say, the first thing I did note was like, holy shit, 20 FPS was it took me a real long time to get used to 20 FPS. I'm just being completely honest. I'm not a PC gamer. I don't count frames per seconds, but I guess once you really start dipping below 30, uh, it, I, it was like, like I had to like pay attention to the controller because <laughs> I was like moving faster than than like what was happening. You guys have any issues with that? Like at least that opening like. You know, you're in your own prison cell. You can kind of doodle around. Do you guys have any struggle with that? What do you guys feel about the opening? I, I didn't mm -hmm. struggle with the frames per second at the beginning. There were there were some moments down the line in, in terms of turning a corner or peeking around a corner that I got caught up in that. But I don't know. The beginning was pretty humdrum for me. It's You got your usual tutorial on which buttons to push and... Uh, yeah, I just, I don't have much to note from that. Good. Well, congrats on that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, so I started out, I thought I'd be sneaky and play Portable Ops Plus. Ooh. And, uh, like, have a slightly different take on, like, kind of like the subsistence take of the game. Sure. But it turns out that there's no story mode in Portable Ops Plus. Oh, they no. Just, like, took that out of the game and it's like an the single player mode is like an infinity mission mode where you just, the game just keeps giving you missions over and over and over again and that's it there's no that sounds exhausting plot yeah yeah, yeah. that sounds rough uh but when i figured out in the group chat in our discord that i was not getting a story and was confused by what you guys were chatting i like research and said oh i just gotta play the normal version of the game but gotta play the og man yeah that that frame rate is real choppy <laughs> uh yeah i don't know like i said i may, maybe it's coming from you know um, a couple modern games while i was playing this at the time yeah but uh well, the, oh man the frame it did take rates me a bit. on the hd collection which we played for three we mm -hmm. all played well tori you played on a ps2 right i did yes so, yeah, but Warren, you and I played on the HD, and the frame rates on those are really good. Yes, uh, very good. They're solid, but this is, like, limited by the hardware. Mm -hmm. That's And that's what it is. It has nothing to do with game design. It's yeah. just you're playing on a, a four-inch screen. Yeah. What are you going to do? They managed somehow to put the Metal Gear Solid 3 subsistence engine into a PSP game, which is impressive. Very yeah. impressive. I was surprised about that, how similar the visual aesthetic of the game was to Snake Eater. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're in prison. We look out our door because we hear a bustle. And it is a young Roy Campbell. And another cool little bit of voice acting. Like, again, we have to, I feel like I have to establish when they're, because sometimes we say cutscenes and sometimes there's just no voice acting. And I don't know mm -hmm. if it's a glitch or if it's just, you know, whatever, whatever story concept they wanted to do with it. But Roy pretty much catches you up with what's going on. Uh, we're in South America, we're in Colombia. And the Red Army, which we did talk about in a little bit in MGS3 when we talked about sort of Volgan and uh, Rydenovich, and they were part of the Red Army in a sense. And they have they've gained access to the San Geronimo Pen Peninsula, which is like where all of this game takes place. And Roy and his team were sent in to investigate and figure out what the hell's going on. And according to Roy, they were ambushed by the Fox unit the Fox unit that Snake used to be a part of, quote unquote, that he walked away from that we learned in the opening cutscene. So he sort of says, hey, check that grate under your bed, which brilliant prison design. Let's just give a man-sized vent under your bed. And just put a <laughs> regular old grate in front of it and, uh, you know, totally fine. And we just want good airflow in there. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. can sneak out. You learn how to use some of the buttons. So again, pretty good design as far as like a an opening level to just get you used to it. Of course, Roy, the whole time, press the this button. Check your <laughs> L button. Like, thanks, Roy. Um, but you get in, you get out, and I just have a quick question. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask, what do you guys think of the sneaking suit? Oh. I was going to ask a different question. <laughs> well, here. Let's go by yours first, and then okay. we'll get to the sneaking suit. Okay. My question is going to be, how many of you shot Roy in the face? <laughs> Chris, you I would, man. didn't do it the time where I was like making sure I could comfortably talk about the story of this game because I am an overachiever and I was super ahead of this. And I was like, damn, I kind of forget some of the story bits in this game because I had to read them. Uh, I definitely shot him the first time I played. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I didn't. Does anything happen in particular? Uh, and he just tells you to cut it off. but like, Yeah, cut it out. It's yeah. just like payback, you know? Yeah. The only thing I did uh, in terms hey, of back. fucking with Roy was <laughs> knocking on the wall next to his cell door repeatedly and trying mm -hmm. to open the cell and making him repeat that it's not going to work. Oh, yeah. You need the key. Yeah. So we get our we get our MK-22 hush puppy mm -hmm. and we get our I wish I remembered the ridiculous polyamor suit or whatever it was <laughs> called. I wanted to put it in there, and I was like, I'm going to butcher it regardless, so there's no reason to put it in there. It was the polyamory suit. <laughs> Poly polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what did you guys think of the sneaking suit? Um, just the design of it. What do you think, Tori? Um, you know, I can never get enough accentuation of Snake's ass. Uh, and the fact okay. that he's wearing... It, it looks like he's wearing thigh-high socks because of the design of that suit. Really just, sure. I mean, it was it was pleasing. I won't lie. Okay. Sneakers out. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chris? Yeah, I thought it was cool. It's got like... I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember back. Does it? Did it look a lot like the MGS3 one we found, like the Russian sneaking suit? Mm, no, no, it doesn't. It looked more to me like the Ground Zeroes suit. 
Right. That's what. So I know I saw a similar design. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's what. Yeah. It is. I just I think yellow the Peace Walker design is this similar. That yellow V seems really not sneaky. <laughs> if you ask me, but yeah, yeah that's a good bright point. yellow. Like you can go running at midnight, snake whenever you want, and you don't have to worry about car. It's reflective. It's ca- It'll be totally it's safe caution at night. tape. Got to watch yeah. out for those thick thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, it's, I mean, hey. And that juicy boot. That ju- the juicy patoot. Oh, I love <laughs> But you get your MK22 Hush Puppy, which we are so used to. So I am happy with my good old snake. I got my sneak, my sneaker suit. I'm ready to go. Um, and again, we have a great conversation with Roy. We get sort of caught up with everything. And after we learn sort of our setting and basically probably where we're going to be for the rest of the game, uh, we set up like we hatch a plan of like, well, what how do we communicate with those? outside of the base because they got to be looking for us we were sent here on a mission and we have to do encrypted comms where we have to be able to reach out without them knowing things like that so we need to find a communications base Mm. and we have to infiltrate and gain access so that we can reach out and while doing that we are also taught hey this is how you lean against a wall this is how you use your radar this is how guards are incredibly dumb in comparison to mgs3 as far as the ai is concerned mm-hmm. um i think that's a design just a, choice to give you a it has bit of to a be break right because mm-hmm. the the con- the shooting is less accurate mm-hmm. in my opinion than the ps2 or oh yeah yeah I think it, it, the guards are dumber to give you a bit of a break oh for the boy. control like, s- scheme disaster. Uh, the lack of camera control, especially. Right. Yeah. Um, so what about the radar system? I'm just trying to like find little questions that get us that we'll probably not bring up in future apps because they're just going to mm-hmm. sort of be there all the time. What do we think about the radar system? Because apparently if there was anybody that had gripes with this game that even didn't like the game, a lot of people picked on the radar system because they said it shouldn't have been there at all. They wanted to be able to sneak like MGS3. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think this is pretty natural progression I, as far as the technology that would lead to the Soliton radar. I agree with you, Warren. I think that the... Um... So, okay. This game uses the subsistence engine, Right. And right. arguably the best improvement, I think, of Metal Gear Solid 3 subsistence over the original version of the game was improvements made to the camera system. And that was kind of the basis that they used for the HD camera right. in the remakes, right? Or remaster. I don't know what the fuck you would call it. I, mean, the I don't HD remember collection, anymore. Right? I just call it HD collection because yeah. that's a whole argument of what's the right. difference between a remake and a remaster. And I don't want to engage in that conversation. In the HD collection. (laughs) So then you are taking that pretty good camera system and putting it on a console where you're limiting your control of the camera by nature of what buttons and stuff you have available. And I can't help but feel like, huh, that's so counterintuitive from a design choice, you know? Sure. Agreed. Especially um, since it takes up like top right corner of your screen too. Yeah. It's a lot of visual space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you can't, you can't have that same level of sneaking. Like the critics who are saying like, I want that option. Yeah, you can't. You can't do There's it no when way you're you not like 
Cod, how many times playing this game would you guys have like been able to complete uh, some of the missions if you had no radar and just had to go off of like sight alone? With only one joystick? Yeah. None. None yeah, times. that would have sucked. <laughs> that would have been terrible. <laughs> because what I appreciate about other games is you can rely on sound as well. Especially in Snake Eater, you could the sound was kind of modified as far as sure. you could hear when a soldier was closer to you versus further away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that was true of Portable Ops. I remember hearing sounds as if they were near me when they were clearly not. Yeah. Or they yeah. were above you for example like with with the maybe i'm jumping the gun a little bit but um that's right i mean that's why this this one's going to be the weird episode because this is where we get like all this out of the way so by all means just chat it out yeah so so when you eventually get to a point where you have um multiple planes to deal with when you have multiple levels like ground floor above ground floor and such that radar mm-hmm. really comes in handy because it shows you the direction of, of the source of the sound. And if you're seeing on your level that there's nobody there, you can go ahead and assume that that person is up above you. And then you already know you need to watch out sure. when you get to the next level. So mm-hmm. in those circumstances, I really felt appreciative of that radar. I got to right. say, I'm- I got to take one issue with the radar system that it calls itself a radar system and not a <laughs> sonar system. Yes. I am a little surprised by that too. Cause it is, yeah. it's just, it's strictly sound, but you, I guess it's visual. It's I guess visual that's why they would call it a radar. Cause you can literally see it, but you can do that with sonar too. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's a visual sonar. Right. Uh-huh. That's Vodar. my, that's my hot take <laughs> critique on the radar system. Sure. Well, that's like I think we're all a little spoiled because we could play this on like a, a big screen. Mm. But if I if I I'm remembering because I I did have a PSP and I was prepared to play it because I have the UMD disc, but I my P my PSP bricked uh, two years ago now, and I was like, there's no fucking way I'm buying another one. Um, but like if it's on that tiny little screen, I'm just thinking of like that's valuable. Like I can't tell if there's a guard back there, viewable space <laughs> for me. Like I need to be able to see yeah. more of the screen. Um. But hey, whatever. There, um, I mean, there this are is mods, where, yeah, Warren, for this game. Yeah, that that make it sixty FPS. Oh, oh wow! Amazing. See, I, I know. I have to. I guess I have to start. I've played, not being I've fucking hundred years old and playing FPS. these kind of mods. Yeah, I've never, I've never played a modified version of anything ever. I played, I played a modded version of this game that puts it in sixty FPS. It does mess with the cutscenes, so you have to turn it off and on. Oh, sure. Because sure. the what what they did was they matched the animation and the vocal dialogue to uh like the frame rate. Sure. Yeah, it makes so sense. It it like the lip syncing and stuff is off in all the Would be scenes. terrible, right? Yeah. So you gotta switch back. But the gameplay it does make it a little bit better. Not as huge of a difference as you would think though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, and then I would say this is where I've starting to really like, now this game is very different than Mm -hmm. MGS3 because we're talking about the comm base. So I'm like ready to be like, all right, let's break out. Let's go to the open area to find out where the comm base is. And we go to a menu 
and we learn about menuing and we got to gather intel and here's where here's where it is click the dot on the thing because that's where we're going next and we got to hear that truck yeah. <laughs> you know just all that stuff getting together um and i'm just you know after like i said by the time we're done talking through this episode that's gonna be an expectation free and i'm gonna not really mind it but initially i'm like man this it feels like it's slowing the game down for mm -hmm. me because i want to just progress naturally like i'm used to in these games yeah um but what i'll do is we'll move through the com base and then maybe we can start talking when we when we meet our our lovely first recruit is when we'll talk about uh the menu system just because i our have plenty boy. to say about the menu so our sweet boy who we love everybody's sweet uh, so we want to get to the com base so we can tell the com base because of the satellite dish mm -hmm. um world does open up a little bit more and i think that I'm starting to like the fact that it's like, okay, these are like little paintball scenarios, little Rainbow Six scenarios, and they're tiny little missions. They're their own map that you're told you can't leave or go here or here unless you want to click the menu button to get out. Um, and you have to uh, sort of get in, and we send a codec call because we find out where we got to go. I guess it felt a little odd, though. Again, like initial like reaction to the game. Like there's basically like a go here you know, yeah. a little red box, like, go here. Like, this is the mission. I don't know. Just, I understand that they wanted you to do that, but it just, that's very not Metal Gear. The whole point of Metal Gear was like, do whatever you want to get to the outcome. We hope you don't notice that we designed a certain way that you should be going. Mm -hmm. um, so initially I'm like, all right. I mean, I didn't mind it because I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> that's fucking super helpful. I'll go over to the red box. Well, I think um, it's the equivalent of having it marked on the map when you open up your menu, which is something they've sure. done in previous games, or at least in Snake Eater. I think in Snake yeah. in Snake Eater it made sense because it was such an open world, but in portable apps, you know, you're you're pretty limited on where you can go. So right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I in some cases I found it useful, and others I was a little bummed that. Uh, I didn't rely more on my exploratory inclination. Hmm. Well, yeah, that was my thing was just more like I need, like I wanted to get the story as best I can. Cause I remember le legitimately enjoying the story of this. So I was like, I'm just going to go through and I'll front load all the time. And then I'm just going to burn through exactly what I need to, but we get access to our comms. We send a code call and we talk to paramedic who. Uh, catches us up on some things. We also hear from Mr. Sigint. Um, so now we know the plot of the game after this conversation. But again, we are reading the plot. This is not audible. We are reading Kodak now. Um, but essentially, Snake has to clear his name and capture or kill the leader of this rogue Fox unit that is commanding Russian troops in Colombia. That's basically like what we have to do now. We'll learn why they're there. What do they have there? You know, things like that. Um, but how can we figure this out? What are we going to do? But we're not alone. We have Mr. Roy Campbell and we can now communicate with him through the good old 140.85 on the codec, which was kind of like a nice. I was like, OK, I see you game. <laughs> like I, I see what you did there and I like it. Nice little call um, back. Yeah. Um, so. We're ready to go. And we, again, we're learning. The big progression of the game is you are gathering intel. So as we continue through some of the story bits in this, I'm just going to have to say we gathered intel to find this out. Because, again, we're not a we're a games club cast, but we're not a, like a strategy guide. Oh, you have to send, you know, your hot, you know, at least a 75 rank 
uh, spy out to uh, this particular part of the map and you're going to get to be able to make the right hand grenades, the right this and rash, you know, like we're not going to do all that. I'm just going to say we found intel and that's how we can progress the story, things like that. So um, just to set expectations. Yeah, <laughs> you know, forward. there's speaking of that, there's a lot of extra stuff to do. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that sounds so intelligent. Um, there are <laughs> a lot of options for development, weapons development. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have, which we'll get to later, you have a technical group where you can place your recruited soldiers. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't mess with that except for when I needed to to progress the story. What about you guys? Yeah. I didn't at first, but like I said, I definitely like full. I was like, yeah, I totally use the guide <laughs> like the next round so that I could just feel really comfortable. And if there was some stuff that would be fun to bring up, unfortunately, I don't know if it like makes the game any better. Um, but yeah, you can literally like it's crazy the amount of stuff you can grab that you could choose to make the game easier. You can get body armor like crazy early in the game. And that's like massive. Like that could be the difference between. 25 boss fights and two boss fights if yeah. you have body armor early enough in the game body armor was uh, the discovery of the body armor was pretty exciting for me but then i, I didn't use it for the rest of the game <laughs> right yeah what about you chris did you like that loop because I, I didn't mind it i yeah i didn't mind i thought it was fine um you know it it's interesting to consider how much Metal Gear Solid Five borrows from this game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely, its entire like structure, the DNA for like Five is here. You know, mm -hmm. oh, definitely. Uh, as as far as design, that that's I would like mm -hmm. to say that that's a compliment to the game. You know, yeah, I think it is. I think this is a well designed game for sure. Uh, nice. because it does like keep me more engaged than like even some other Metal Gear games I've played you know um, I thought that the plot here the, the plot here is better than 5 for sure yeah the plot's the plot's pretty legit like the I legitimately am invested me playing the game to be honest with you I was playing the game Same. in spite of like some of the issues I was having with the controls and stuff um, which you know, I'm I complained about and I'm complaining about now, but I was able to mitigate a lot of that for myself because of like modern stuff you can do with emulation. But, yep, same here. Uh yeah, the the plot is just solid. The characters are great. And you know, that is like even in the marketing, there's an interview that Ryan Payton did for IGN for marketing this game and he said that like to understand Metal Gear Solid 4, you would have to play this game. Like, the plot. It, like, filled in a piece of the plot. And I have no idea what he's talking about. Because hmm. uh, I, I don't know what of the plot fits in to 4 in such an interesting way. I wonder if that's way. something he wants to, you know, he wants to do. Because he had sort of, in our in that first interview with him, he sort of, like... He was ready to go into like he wants to do a whole conversation with us, which again, thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, he wants to do a whole conversation with about like the origin of the story, like story. He wants to talk about it's not it's not the gameplay, mm -hmm. it's not the design. Like he really 
had a he wanted to say more and basically was like no nah, well that's that's we'll have another conversation about story and i was like great like this is fantastic that is absolutely like the the thing about this game is the story is so compelling and well done it is like one of the best in the metal gear series yeah i think i can safely yeah. say that now too it really makes getting to those cutscenes worthwhile you know it's it's easy to grind through some um I don't want to say menial tasks, but some of the more repetitive pieces of the game just to get to that story. Because mm-hmm. I agree, it is very solid and it, it made this game worthwhile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The characters, I really cared about them and the, mm-hmm. the team that you build. And I think that like kind of goes into the thing you're talking about next, Warren. Yeah. So we gather intel on a patrol base. And we gain access to a truck. And they sort of have a conversation a between Roy and Snake. <laughs> a truck. Oh, what? What's that? <laughs> that noise is so good. I can't wait. That's gonna, That's definitely going to be our, our thing this season. Because you hear it, what, a hundred times? A hundred times in the game, at least? I guess uh, I'm queuing it um, here, too. So. It's drilled into my brain. So we get, we get access to a truck and they're basically setting up like, hey, now we can sort of move where we need to go. We just got to find out where we need to go on the map that we have to move forward. And we're sort of understanding that now to we're learning that the soldiers that are there, again, we learn that they were sort of basically guarding a place that doesn't exist anymore after mm. the Cold War and all the stuff that sort of happened in MGS3 and the aftermath of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we'll go into more detail when we start talking about certain characters. But not necessarily everybody's there because they love the new leader of the Fox unit that's sort of running this, like, coup or, like, this, you know, this new militia that's going to be the same threat that we were concerned about when we talked about the Cuban Missile Crisis. So we can have conversations in quotes with these people and we can uh basically tell them like yo working for uh big boss you know that legendary guy killed that hot chick back in 64 like (laughs) you want to be with me oh my god killed that hot chick yep (laughs) sorry i didn't i don't mean to do that to the boss i mean you're way more than just a beautiful woman you're not wrong (laughs) she is way more than that however uh maybe some people only got the cliff notes you know (laughs) um so yeah, so now we're going to establish that we are going to use that as like, okay, we're going to build our own team and we can fight back against the sort of random motley crew of troops that are sort of here to fight back. Um, and I guess this is where like the loop begins as far as like your gameplay loop. It's going to be find intel, go to this place on the map. Do what you got to do. If you want to work with the team you have, do that, or you can start establishing new teams and things like that. Um, it'll open up in a tiny little bit because um, i trying to think if I can do this in order because I'm trying to make sure I do this right. So we want to convince soldiers, and as we are learning, we're learning about Gene, this character Gene in like the cutscene between two soldiers sort of telling us, uh, yeah, this sucks. Like, I really... I would like to go home, if I'm being honest, but I guess we're here. And they mentioned Gene. Um, so we can scout the area. We can sort of unlock weapons and do all that like we just talked about. But we meet our first soldier. Now, what's funny is no matter who you 
trap or convince or whatever in that area. It doesn't have to be anybody in particular. It's always Jonathan first. So uh, everybody sweet, who plays this game, sweet boy Jonathan. Jonathan. So what do we think about Jonathan? Go ahead, Tori. Obviously, you're in love. I do. I love Jonathan. I don't even... There's nothing specifically that I could say or that I can pinpoint about Jonathan. It's just... He's such... A, he's just such a good soldier boy. I don't know. Maybe Chris can articulate it better than I can. He's just... He's got like a wholesome vibe to him. You know, he... Uh, He's a sweet boy. He is just, he's, he's sad and he's, he feels left and alone. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Jonathan's trustworthy because he's just honest with snake about how he feels about the whole situation kind of right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. And, and I think that endears snake to Jonathan a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he started out, I thought it was interesting, Jonathan was very, he just trusted Gene with all of him at first until he learned who Snake really was, until he learned Snake's true identity. And then suddenly he trusted what Snake was saying about Gene and his intentions. And I just thought that was, uh, I thought that was interesting. He sa- he, it makes Jonathan a much more loyal kind of character yeah and without getting too much into it and what we learn about gene as well like why people listen to him perhaps Mm -hmm. or that 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 maybe that's not in effect after boss like maybe boss sort of can be an antidote in a sense Mm -hmm. of just like people realizing that because again the name big boss like he is a fucking massive hero especially to the russians because of getting rid of volgin and the American defector and all of that. So he is like the, the biggest guy ever. Like he is like their best soldier that's ever lived. Like the, the, the Russian hero of all heroes. Mm-hmm. So when he says something, they're going to listen regardless. Um, and I thought it was a little, uh, like I said, I, I kind of was like, you got me game. They did a little, uh, a little uh, prove you're a soldier from the boss. Um, and Snake sort of like, we, I was laughing because I'm thinking of us because we're like, yeah, what? The boss said a lot of shit in that game, and we still kind of joked about, like, what was the will of the boss? Like, what is actually the the end game here for... Did it mean something different for every person on purpose? Is it just being interpreted wrong? But I like that Snake is... Yeah, we're definitely going to get there. I was just going to say, we'll touch that on that again in the next game, even. It's, it's a very yes. contentious thing. Yeah, and I like that they do that, because it's very obvious that she's going to make a massive... Having uh, like her influence on Snake is going to affect him for years to come, mm-hmm. and I like that he sort of was, he almost like still makes like the joke of like I still don't I don't know what it means like I don't I you have a different meaning for it than I do just mm-hmm. as long as you're with me I think we can we can do this right maybe that's how it fits into four or in like what mm. you just maybe. touched on yeah. there of like it's part of the cycle. Right, and that's sort of the theme of MGS4. It's like it's a cycle of violence that just keeps going, father and son, mm-hmm. father and son. Mm-hmm. And in this, of the father, yep. yeah, it's a good point. So I like that. I like eh. that. And and Jonathan is like sort of our info dump of learning about it was a Russian, it was a Russian base, it was a race from existence. This Gene character came in, promised them a nation, yes. and 
we get talk of justice, in quotes, and country. So he's starting to talk about like, we're going to build a, a nation for ourselves. We don't answer to anyone. We are our, like our own boss, um, which is like, okay, like, gotcha. Thanks, Jonathan. But he, but Jonathan's kind of like, it seems like a lot of hogwash to me. I don't necessarily agree. Um, but this is where now the final, yeah. the final piece of like the touch of like how the gameplay loop goes is now we can manage our team. So we can manage like Alpha, Brava, Delta. So we have a whole team of characters that now we can recruit. They have different sort of skills or I guess rankings of every type of skill. So some of them are good with technology. Some are good with medic. Some are good with stamina. Some are good, you know, like with, uh, I guess health is like a main one too you have where you can use that and build your team. Ideally, they want a team of four for just at least the like the main players of the mission, but you can then start sending out your other teams to gather intel, whether it be to progress the story, new weapons, new technology, things like that to make the game easier. We get back. Campbell has malaria, of all things. Parasites. Um, yeah, parasites that a malaria drug can defeat it. Well, they, they, they act on the body. That's a smart sentence. They manifest similarly to malaria. Gotcha. Gotcha. It makes sense. Mm. Uh, so obviously we got to talk to our main girl, paramedic. She's going to help us out how to fix it. And we gather intel about a hospital and a research lab nearby. Now, I think this is where we can start talking about at least something I really like about this game is the like art design and the style of the menus. Because I, you know, made jokes that like this game is technically like seven hours, but it's like a 20 hour game because you're spending double that in menus. You're picking your people and you're checking stuff and you're equipping and you're, you know, doing a lot of that. However, the AI or the UI and just how everything looks, I don't know. I think it's really fucking slick and I like it like a lot. Um, Chris, I think yeah. we share love with this. So yeah. what do you think about the menu design? I like it. Uh, it reminds, it's very styly in the way that Persona 5 is. From like a mm -hmm. UI perspective, it's fun to navigate. It's engaging. It fits so well with Metal Gear Solid theme and aesthetic. Um Whoever designed the UI, they deserve an award, a couple of awards. They should have designed the the they should have designed the UI for for five, I think. Sure. I think so. I love it. Those like yeah. the menus where it's just like you see mother base or whatever in five mm -hmm. and that's it. Uh these were a lot more engaging, in my opinion. The animated look of it all. Yeah. What do you think, Tori? Yeah, I, I, so here's the deal uh, with portable ops. I am playing this technically after I've played Peace Walker. So I've seen this <laughs> UI before mm -hmm. uh, and I've, I really enjoyed it. And coming back to portable ops after that, I don't have any complaints. Um, I don't feel like there was any uh, regression, so to speak, from the menu system in Peace Walker compared with Portable Ops. So, um, 
yeah, I think it was, especially for the introduction of this game mechanic, that menu system is, is awesome. I love that you can look at the stats of each soldier you recruit. You can, I learned very late in the game, change their loadout. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Place them in whatever unit makes mo- the most sense for them. And you can tell by their ranking for that uh, like specialty, I guess is, mm-hmm. is oh, how yeah. you'd call it. I think they um, call it career. Career? For some okay. I think it has like a weird name, but it's like if they're a career this, they naturally have, you know, better stat boosts in whatever that career affects. Right. Yeah. And that's that's another thing they tip you off about. It's uh, like if you press, press uh, what is it, circle, I think, you'll get information about what their strong suits are and you know mm-hmm. automatically where to place them. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. It's like a nice little macro. It's like a nice little quality of life. So you don't have to stat check every single there's like 16 <laughs> stats yeah. per person oh with my like god. A-C-C-B-A-A-A. I'm like oh my god man and there no there's no words it's just like dope ass little fucking icons like so it <laughs> looks great but you, it does take a little bit to be like what the hell does all this mean it can get tedious that's yeah. for sure but it doesn't have to be yeah especially the more you recruit right and i liked it because um the concept of like so now i'm like oh okay so jonathan just told us where the hospital is right that's how the story progresses so now that's our mission so we like can okay i can reap i'm like oh i can replay the supply depot like i can go back and maybe i i really wish i went downstairs or whatever you know like i went right to the comms or whatever it was and i was like oh i can go back and like find more stuff i didn't just like lose out because you know like the door shut or something like in that. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. At least I can, I can choose to go back and like grab what else the game wanted me to find. Does that make sense? You okay? You want to say something to our good? Yeah, for sure. I just, I'm especially uh, excited that you brought up the supply depot because that was the place for soldier recruitment for me. I can't tell you how many times I've visited the supply depot, but I got it down to a science and I can tell you right now it started by, do you guys have a vivid uh, vision of the supply depot in your brain? I do. Yes. Mm. I don't know so, if our players will, but or our listeners, here's hoping I can the I paint this pretty well. So <laughs> from the truck, if you cross that little mound and catch the attention of the, the guard looking through the window from that mm-hmm. building. He usually, so he'll go, huh? And then come find you. Now, if you go and hide behind a little wall and just have your Mark 22, my most used weapon, by the way. Nice. If you just have it aimed at him, you can, you can pop him off real quick, drag him back to the truck, continue on in the direction you were originally going in, and usually there's a soldier around there too. Or you can, oh no, okay, so no, wait, sorry. This is really specific because I did this level so many times. So if you can, if you continue around past that building, there's a set of stairs that go up and mm-hmm. lead you by that sa- that very same building. Mm-hmm. Or no, it's a building behind it, I think even. So one next to it, and right. There's a, another soldier in there whose attention you can get if he's in there. Otherwise, he is walking out the door and away from you. 
and you can pop him off and you can get the guy in the further furthest building away from you and drag them back to your truck and then you can continue on deeper into those other buildings where they have a basement layer oh yeah and they're all over the place an above ground layer well we have to get to that and later we're not at that big yes, of area yet. All, all i'm saying is <laughs> listen this is a really long way to say i know the shit out of this level that's awesome. Well, it that's was, good. I think that was my the, go I think to. that's the point. I think that's the point of the design, though. So I think it lends it because I what you said there, I feel the same way about the hospital. Okay. And I'll explain why when we get there. Uh, so <clears throat> we are at the hospital. Now, obviously, we are. Um, you know, it's all about uh, finding the medicine to help Campbell. Um, but so I actually appreciate as we've gone through, like. The maps are getting slightly bigger. There's more places mm -hmm. to crawl. There's more corridors. There's more stairs and levels as we progress, which is really nice. I was like, okay. And and logically, it sort of makes sense. Like, I would assume a hospital would be bigger than a comms base, right? Like, that's pretty standard. Like, I was like, okay, this is also story-wise making sense why we're getting to sort of bigger things. Um, we get to the top of the building. We find our little red marker. Um, but the drug shipment doesn't seem to be there that we had intel that the drug shipment was coming. And we're trying to figure out what's going on here. We don't know. Uh, and we get another cool cutscene. Uh, and there's a chopper going around. And there are some new people for us to meet. Um, I at least tried to try to make it appealing in the notes here for when that's our patron uh, thing here. So another psychic, as we may or may not think. Um, they mentioned Python and there's a mysterious woman sort of sitting there, whether that's a different person or not, but there's like this girl up there as well. Um, so I was like, okay. And they're just sort of talking about, you know, the normal stuff. We just catch it. Um, the drugs were taken to a research lab somewhere nearby, and that's where the chopper is headed. So, of course, mission complete. Gather intel. Let's go. All right. We know where the research lab is. Let's do this. We go in. Research lab. Now, the only reason why I say hospital, Tori, and I guess we're trying not to do the um, sort of guide, but the only struggle I really had with this game was stamina um, mm -hmm. when it came to gameplay. If you go to the hospital, you can always find rations. They replenish constantly, and you can replay and gather a crap ton of them, and you can just divvy them out as you need to. So that was like my huge help of just like as long as I have rations and MK-22 bullets... I will take an hour to play a level if I have to, because I could just take one step, find what I need, keep moving, because I'd always have enough stamina. And that was always part of my my loadout. I would just have rations on the right-hand side almost exclusively. Um, so I did that a lot. So we get to the research lab. And again, solid progression and level design. The research lab is pretty great. Now I'm starting to see, sort of like when we talked about Metal Gear Solid 3, when we talked about that opening sort of maps like the set of maps that have um we had the bridge and then we had like the supply to you. there was all this stuff um this is a pretty pretty good size map and i honestly thought like oh they're gonna be this big all the time and they still progress past this so i was really happy about that um so mm -hmm. we we sneak into the main floor of the building and we find it looks like a machine um but it looks like it's just who knows what it is, but it's like this big, big kind of machine. Um, we deduce that potentially the drugs are already on the chopper. We we didn't get there fast enough. And we find ourselves 
with another cutscene. And we hear about a perfect soldier who is programmed. And we hear Null as a Ooh. name. Um, it seems like Gene has some brainwashing or something going on. Like when he speaks, people listen straight up um, mm -hmm. to a point where like something's fucking weird, whether he's a telepath, whether whatever it is, some people listen to him and it's very, very weird. Mm -hmm. um, but when that cutscene is done, we move back to the research lab and the box we found earlier, like the is machine. That, yeah. What do you want to call it? <laughs> so, okay. So the brainwashing thing. Yeah. Is that, does that remind you of like the ocelot thing in four? I see. I guess it does, but I feel like when I I'm doing this for sake of like I don't want to ruin the story, right. um, why people listen to him and things like that. But mm. I immediately went to a different game in the franchise because I was like, oh right, because the choices he's making happen. Like I don't I feel bad, but like two. Uh, Maybe two episodes from now, we'll really get into into that. But yeah, so brainwashing. Yeah. So what? I see what you mean, but again, I don't. I I feel like it's a stepping stone towards another game in the franchise that isn't four, because four is so far beyond the rest of the game series. I guess except for two, but like yes, as but far it as is years, a, a good bit of foreshadowing, though, isn't it? I guess it would be right. I mean, in no, in. I in their eyes, it's it's. I guess it is foreshadowing because they're the games are made at the same time, but story wise, mm -hmm. it's years. You know, fifty. Mm -hmm. at That's that point. true. I went. I too, like Chris, went to exactly that scene. I know which one you're talking about with Ocelot and an MGS4. But I also went after that to Plankton and what I think was the first SpongeBob movie. If anybody else. <laughs> If anybody else out there knows what I'm talking about, hopefully you make that connection. It's a Let me sick know. SpongeBob reference do know done what by the makers about. of Metal Gear Solid Portal Ops. Good, good, good. I just, you know, you have to call out um, other notable references when you find them, right? Sure. Right. I'm not a big uh, SpongeBob guy, sorry. <clears throat> okay, we'll I'm, talk about that later. I'm 100 years old, Tori. Okay. Right. wasn't really it wasn't true. really i was i told myself i was an adult by the time that show was popular let's put it that way you're never too old for cartoons warren i learned that the hard way and i'm way too old now to think it's funny i respect it though i'll at least give it All that right. okay um so yeah so we get back to the research lab and the machine or the box we had found is open um and it looks like something or someone was sleeping in there like it's like a chamber and we meet Elisa. It's like a nest. <laughs> yeah, like a nest. Yeah. <laughs> and we meet Elisa. Um, I put kid in quotes, but a kid who helps us hide and is a medic for the Red Army. You're pretty young. Right. Is a quote by Snake. Is yeah. an actual quote by Snake. I know. And they, it gets a little, I guess not grosser, but they uh, they talk about gets... that she looks good mm. and is a kid. So we'll, that's and, not this episode, though. And then a certain <laughs> yeah. something, a certain something pervy something happens which is we'll, not we'll, surprising we're, but we we'll call that a whole out. episode on the sins of the father here yeah. <laughs> across this whole franchise i gotta say though i mean keeping her age aside because it is a video game but i, I was i don't know I, I was charmed by elisa um mm. just how she how she sort of represented herself how she 
like again the concept of like a super smart kid is not like so foreign to me in like a metal gear solid world uh granted this was before sunny um but the concept of like hey like emma was a genius and she was a kid in two so like i but i i really appreciated her and we learned very quickly because she sort of becomes fast friends with snake she helps him for no reason we don't really know why um but she divulges that her sister was ursula her twin sister ursula is the woman that we saw in the chopper earlier with gene and is a member of fox mm. yes tori can i just mention something before we get too far into this i sure. i, I want to talk more about this but i also want to say i know there are very few ears that will uh, continue to listen to this but i just have to say the kid character in each of these games it's always a woman it's always a fucking woman meryl's just a green kid emma's just a kid uh i don't think that's true of e of eva or anybody else in metal gear solid 3 but it's just <laughs> it's frustrating even elisa who has fucking uh esp just a kid not hmm. not too young to really know or have experience. It's just a very frustrating trope that uh, Kojima continues to perpetuate, and it irks me. I think you're right. I mean... Yeah, it sucks because she holds herself... She doesn't act like a kid. Yeah. No, you know not what at I mean? all. She just but that's really, the first thing out of his one. mouth about her. It's the first thing he says is, you're pretty young. Right. No, you're not wrong. I mean, it sucks. No, I see it. Dude. I see the frustration. <laughs> yeah. There's also like a lot in these games as a whole, just about like child soldiers and children yeah. participating mm, in that's war. That's true. And I want to give the benefit of a doubt, but like, yeah, I think in this game it's handled better than in Peace Walker for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Now, that's a good, oh, God, I got to yeah, say, that's a good point. maybe because I think you had said that you weren't really into five, like you hadn't played it a ton. The kid characters are men. If that helps a little. All right. One out of like <laughs> fucking 10. Well, one out of four, right? Because <laughs> they're not all kids in all the games. There's only one female character really in five. Right. And she oh, and the talk. XOFs and the XOF soldiers are all girls. Right. Or the whatever they're called in that game. I hope they're called. Oh, like, Jesus, the, the Twitter police oh, are the, coming. The skull <laughs> parasite things. No, yeah, the, like the unit, like the unit you fight, like the four or five of them. They're all like crate. They're all runway models that can also murder you. Oh, I, I think that's four. That's no, four. no, no. That's the Beauty and the Beast unit. But like the, that's the, all like I'm the, saying is they're yeah. either hypersexualized or they're they're children. And oh, I'm, yeah. you know what? I'm I've been on my soapbox long enough, but. Just food for thought. <laughs> I well, I mean, you're calling this spade a spade. You're that. just saying what it is, though. I mean, it I, is. I, what I have no stance to, even if I did in any way disagree with you, I would be telling you something that isn't accurate because we, we're playing, that the whole point of doing this is because we're going to play all the games. So we're going to be very obviously seeing that like, shit, she's right. I was just trying to find a time where I'm like, can I, can I at least help and be like, not all the time? And five technically, technically does that. I do know of another one that that negates what I just said, and it's in Ghost Babble. Um, yeah, but but still, more often than not. Let me let me ask though. 
in those games, look at the games and like who the writer was. Mm. Right. Interesting. The games that Kojima had more input on and the ones he had less input on. Mm, Interesting point. Yeah, that is true. I like that. Ooh. So maybe we'll we'll keep digging into that as we go. But well put, well put. The story of Ursula and Elisa, I do like. Um, they were in East too. Germany. Uh, you know, war torn East Germany. Jean basically came in and saved them. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why she's still they're they're both still around is Ursula began to grow psychic powers. Um, however, when that sounds great, but when we talk yeah. to Elisa, she says, "Well, she be keep she keeps becoming like." less human because her of her powers being unlocked and she barely talks to her sister at all if if at all mm-hmm. probably um, never is my guess would be my understanding <laughs> yes. would be my understanding um, right <laughs> but this is yeah go ahead well okay so she her character she's from east germany yes right? uh elisa is and ursula is as well mm-hmm. uh and it, I don't know. It's interesting because the theme of this game is kind of also split allegiances. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of a big thing of like the dialogue that we left off of in three. It was like your mm-hmm. country, who, who the boss's question of where does your loyalty lie? Yep. And they're going to, it's going to get real funky for a little bit there where we're going to hear a, that wasn't the real plan like three times yeah. real oh quick. Oh my God. I have yeah. that in quotes on my note sheet because it's just so, ugh, my real plan. Yeah. <laughs> but well, again, right now is all, we're all like intrigue. We're like season yeah, one. Yeah, sorry. There's like Portal eight Ops. things I want to jump to, so I better I take notes. Well, that's the downside of like, because so MGS3 was a lot more beefier, right? Like a lot more stuff going on. Where this is like you just—it's all like outside of the gameplay design. Like I again, I'm I'm I definitely became more of a fan of it. But again, like Chris said, the story is like why I'm here. Like I want to keep playing because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I fucking love a lot of this shit. Like, and then as the story goes on, because like I said, I was very charmed by Elisa. Like I was like, oh shit, this like super smart medic, and she actually wants to help because it's and it's not just like oh yeah, like it could have been way worse than like my sister doesn't talk to me anymore but we were at least saved from a terrible war-torn country like it could have been like way more less in, you know way less interesting or like cheesy as fuck or like jeans my dad but he is you know like that kind of shit um they're just really good at what they do um but we learn that the guy in the box is null or at least the guy that was in the box was null and uh, for people that may be new to the concept of that, basically he's the winter soldier. Um, they program him to be like the baddest, like ultimate killer. They wipe his memory so that he can exclusively focus on the mission at hand. Um, when he is reactivated and nothing will stop him from completing his mission. And they sort of mention that a lot, like Jean's annoyed that like, He's only like active for three hours or he has to rest for 24 hours to do the whole process. Mm -hmm. He's like, what the hell? Like, he's like, he's no different than a test subject then. Like, what the hell? I thought this was a a successful, like, permutation of this content. Like, all the scientists are like, no, (laughs) that's not even close at all. So I think that's telling because what some of the commentary I've seen within this series is the objectification of and 
commodification of, I think, even soldiers and like soldiers specifically, but people in general. Mm -hmm. And this this lends a great, um, I guess, light to the fact that people in, in positions like Jean's really only operate in one way. And God damn, um, don't we know that after the year 2020, when you start to see exactly how people in positions of power think about the people who actually do the work for them. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is too meta for right now, but it's just, I don't know. It's interesting to me how, um, how well Metal Gear can be placed into our actual experience. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, it's obvious that they they go hand in hand a lot, like mm-hmm. all the way down to the the Nintendo ones. Like they're just they're yeah, designed sure. with that in mind. They are they're they're meant to be as realistic as far as the human condition as realistic as possible for someone's brain to process something or mm-hmm. some sort of complex or some sort of study on um, human behavior or manipulation, whatever it is. But they mm-hmm. they pride themselves on at least sticking to that. So everything could be fucking batshit crazy like we've talked about, but still it does resort to like a basic condition and they mm-hmm. extrapolate uh, insanely on that too. <laughs> I would argue not to a fault because even when shit gets wild, I still love the story of the Metal Gear games. So it's I, so it, entertaining. It obviously works. But, but factually true. It's like absurd on the one hand, but also more realistic in ways than you would assume. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So Snake gets on Elisa's good side right away, which is nice because he has like the opportunity to like, well, you can kill Null. Like that's the intent and he won't do it. He does not assassinate. Um, Especially he doesn't assassinate soldiers when their guard is down is what he likes to say. Hell yeah, man. She already is like, you're my guy. Like, okay, I, I, I believe in you because you basically, you could stop a future boss fight. (laughs) Like that's basically what it would look like to me. Um, and she hands over the malaria, quote unquote, parasite, uh, medication, um, and basically says like, we got you, you know, let's bring this back to Campbell. Let's do this. And meanwhile, we dispatch a spy unit that gives us Intel on a supply depot that the truck is headed for and that where it is. So then we know where we're going to move on when we get to our next episode of Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. Ooh. So what a cliffhanger. As, as far as you know, we'll say outro, whatever you guys want to call it, but as far as like our thoughts on the opening of the game, because this is, you know, the normal, right? A lot of cutscenes, a lot of reading, a lot of exposition, a lot of gameplay. Like this is this is we're now learning like right towards the end there is like now we're getting like the good bits we're getting the story we're meeting future you know future enemies we're gonna fight right we we already know we're gonna fight whoever this python character they're talking about we just met a super soldier we got a psychic we got uh, a guy that seems to be brainwashing or whatever he's like this new you know uh leader of something he's got his whole manifesto that he's probably living we don't know it yet um but if we're trained with Metal Gear, we know that we're going to get some bananas fucking story <laughs> that ties everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's I what will I'm here s- for. Yeah, and I will say before we do our little um, final thoughts on this opening, if you, 
I will ask any listeners out there, if this was like your first Metal Gear game, which you are out there, I've, I've read the comments, um, <laughs> please feel free to chime in to us and just sort of catch us up on because this has got to be weird for some people to this is their first game in the Metal Gear, you know, learning all the other stuff that happens in the games. This isn't really doing that just yet. I like it, um, especially the story bits. Um, but please reach out to us because I do want to know um, sort of your thoughts uh, on just this being your first game or how did it get pitched to you? Was this like, did you go back way later? Or is this right after Metal Gear Solid 3? Um, please let us know. So you can go to Contact Metal Gear Mondays or just, you know, Mondays on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Please reach out, though, because I'm legitimately interested. I do have a quick addendum there. Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, MetalGearsMonday at gmail.com now. MetalGearsMonday at gmail.com. Please reach out to us there. That would be fantastic. Mm. So to wrap it up, Tori, final thoughts on sort of the opening. I usually try to make these episodes like two hours of gameplay. So outside of you, maybe running train on the supply depot for hours and hours and hours um so how do you good. feel about the opening couple hours of portable ops uh you know the the first time i played through it i was genuinely intrigued by where it was going and i guess uh it just took playing those first two hours to understand that this really is an integral metal gear game it's not when you get down into it it's not just like a an extra superfluous bit of here's more metal gear and i appreciate that even though the limitations of the portable system posed their problems the team was able to put a solid story in with you know again as far as limitations go the cutscenes are graphically very pleasing um, the voice acting still awesome. You're getting great bits of story, and by this time at our stopping point, I I would say I was probably already pretty hooked. It just sucks that I had to play that part fucking three or four yeah. times. Because and <laughs> I don't I I won't call it out because probably when we when episode two drops is when I'll probably pick a little bit on pacing. Um, sure. But I would say the That's first fair. opening, I don't think the pacing is really an issue. Um, I'm just like waiting for that first, the introductory boss fight we're all used to, even if it is four guards mm-hmm. in an elevator, right? Like something, nothing's really felt like uh, an ex, sort of a, a, an elevated battle mechanic other than the you know, learn the map, find the intel, move on. You know, I, we haven't gotten that yet, which not that we have to do that in the first, you know, two hours of a Metal Gear game, but it's pretty close. They try to like give you you know something to shoot for your first time you're playing through like they probably think you're gonna put the controller down by this point you know as far as story goes i i think it's fair that you might in the way that it was set up um i just want to add too that it's hard to improve on a a boss just like a um a boss battle map maybe or blueprint when it's for a different system because i'm sure with a lot of uh metal gear fans it took a while to get used to this i know it took me a while i still wanted to use that second joystick that wasn't there Mm -hmm. agreed what about you chris yeah 
I feel good about the first dip back into this game. Uh, I liked what you sort of called out, how this game slowly opens up mm-hmm. rather than just like dropping you in a situation. Um, yeah, I think, I think I've slept on this game until, you know, we decided we were going to cover it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I'm revisiting it now. Better late than never, they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially now. That's what yeah. we're hoping a lot of the, like, we've been getting called out on like, how come we haven't done like this podcast <laughs> in general, not just the Revengeance crew. Like how have we not done like an extended conversation on the game? They've done obviously mm-hmm. content on it, but it wasn't yep. like a full dedicated season to it. Like before. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is it's, it's got that label as a portable game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this comes from a time when we thought of portable games as like lesser in a way, due sure. to limitations, just looking at the comparison between like a Game Boy and like portable games were still thought of in that mindset of like a Game mm-hmm. Boy, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. So, I don't know. Uh, the people who made this game had not just the challenge of meeting Metal Gear fans' expectations, but also challenging the 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 concept of a portable game and oh, what it's, it was to like I couldn't imagine being yeah on the design team of how do we do the thing that is make this feel like a metal gear game but also like we have to make it make sense on a 4 inch screen we have to change the entire control scheme in the same engine you know just there I I I don't know I I don't know how they did it and going through it at least for now i'm definitely in yeah i thought i would be a little more clunky towards it just because of, you know i am hmm. um yeah i i, I feel in. like i am a little bit of, of a metal gear like fife i'll call myself out in the sense um because Hold i'm on. not yeah what's sorry you you talk about how old you are all the time but i don't know what that means what's a fife oh. Like when people want to knock a fife, like uh, I guess the I don't want to say it. The the current word now is like a simp. <laughs> a, simp. a fife is like a okay. simp. So like uh, almost like a bad Metal Gear game is better than you know the best Final Fantasy game to me. I don't necessarily mean that's true, but like it's really hard for me to be like this game sucks if it has Metal Gear on top of it. I'm gonna mm, dig deep enough okay. to find out. Like you know, some people defend Stanley Kubrick. Oh, he did that on purpose. When it's like, or maybe it was just a continuity error. I'm like. You don't know. Um, I, f- I feel like I always give the benefit of the doubt when it comes to playing a Metal Gear game. And I just, luckily, I'm just happily rewarded of, I think I'm okay with, like, I. most people would fight back and say, poor Blops isn't canon if we were doing the show. And I was, and in my head, I'm like, no, I'd rather play it. I'd rather find out if I'm correct if it's not canon or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm enjoying. I- I'm definitely happy. First couple hours, like I said, the pacing, I, I really was surprised by the time we got to like this part, I'm trying to like cut the story up and I got, and I'm like, well, nothing, nothing really fun's happened yet. As far as like fun to talk about other than like the gameplay in itself, there's no, like it's all intrigue. We're learning about characters. We've never actually done more than meet someone and get some med, med you know, some medicine for Roy. That's it. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Like I said, it doesn't work against the game, but pacing wise, I'm going to call it out for now. 
but I, when we get to it, it does start like moving at a clip, like real fast. Like every 12 minutes, it's like story beat, story beat. Like we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the first half, it felt like the first half because of the way that I played it. Um, basically because I, I did all my recruiting at the front end. Uh, but yeah, I, I also felt once, once you get to that certain point of kind of grinding, just like in another game mm-hmm. I can think of that came out recently. Um, you'll know the one probably. In any case, once you got to that certain milestone of the game, it really just started zooming towards the end. And I think that it was worth it. It was worth the first half of the game for me. Cool. So then we'll get there. But I think that wraps up an episode of Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance Portable Ops Edition. Uh, wherever you guys are listening to this, please rate and review. That would be fantastic as far as the algorithm is concerned. Uh, you can find merch at bit.ly slash MGM store. Uh, you can reach out to us at MetalGearsMonday at gmail.com. And when you can, if you can, um, we always give a giant shout out. We are absolutely in awe and gratitude towards our patrons and Patreon. So if you are interested to chime in again, uh, this year we have definitely just tried to sort of double down as much as we are interacting with our patron group because they were like the lifeblood of a rough year of last year and last season in general. Um, So Patreon at Metal Gear Mondays uh, would be fantastic to help with that. Otherwise, Chris, where can people find you on the interwebs? I guess you can find me at MetalGearMondays.com in the bio section. (laughs) I love it. The intrigue. What about you, Tori? Uh, My home on the Timmy is mostly the Discord. Mm -hmm. You can find me on the Discord at Young Neil. It's Y-N-G-N-E-I-L. You can also find me mostly uh, retweeting Metal Gear Monday stuff on Twitter, um, mostly sharing Middle Gear Mondays posts on Facebook and Middle Gear Mondays plus pet photos on Instagram. All go. of that is Y N G N E I L. I love Hell it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm at Warren Minix at all the nonsense. Uh, again, I'm the old guy, so I don't use them as much as I probably should. Um, but uh, if you're into gamer tags, untaggable gamer is where I am. And outside of that, I think episode one of season two, the portable ops rendition of Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance, I think it's time to let it rip, Jack.